We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And Lakers fell last night 119 to 115, but it was one of the more entertaining Laker games uh, I've seen in a while, guys. I was very encouraged by the first three quarters or so of that game, got away from them once the third stringers came in again, but it didn't start out that way. We had an Anthony Davis late scratch and... Before then, the Lakers were going small, AD at the five with a three-guard backcourt with Russ, Pat Bev, and Austin Reeves moved into the starting lineup. And then AD's a late scratch. We have Wenyon as the starter, and it's like, wow, we're really small, but they wanted to give that a look last night, and I thought it looked good. And 69-point first half, Lakers were up seven going into halftime, and just I saw a lot of encouraging things last night. But Darius, I'm curious, what did you take away from last night in Vegas? Oh, man, what did I take away from last night in Vegas that if the Lakers third string ever has to win a basketball game, like, good luck. <laughs> no good. So on a serious note, um, I thought the team looked good playing small. Um, I thought that the idea of sort of matching up specifically against the Suns, um, maybe, and I don't know if... Darvin Ham spoke to this at all because I haven't had the chance to see like any like pregame or postgame comments. But this felt like a game where they were just like, oh, well, why not try out this sort of lineup against this kind of team that plays this exact sort of lineup and see what happens. Right. Like Bridges and Cam Johnson as a small forward, power forward combo. Both those players are basically wings. Yeah. In my opinion. So I thought, okay, well, let LeBron go out there. And I had texted you guys before the game, um, and this was before AD was was a scratch. And I said, oh, this looks like these sort of defensive matchups mm -hmm. might happen. And those were the exact defensive matchups that we would have seen, right? Mm -hmm. With putting Beverly on Booker was an example of how I think the Lakers would deploy their starting lineup with that sort of wing threat 
in order to put Pat Bev on that guy, right? And so we've talked a lot about who would LeBron guard in matchups where there is a high functioning like wing scorer type of guy. And especially if Beverly doesn't start, Mike, but Darvin Ham said, well, let's just start Beverly and let's see how that looks. And, and, and so I had a lot of um, good vibes, just like Pete had, just in terms of um, how well the guys played, the amount of uh, the amount of effort and energy they showed defensively. And a thing that stood stood out to me, Mike, and I'm wondering how it looked at the ground level was just the fluidity that they had offensively and their comfort level on that end of the floor. And um, I, I want to say one clip I did see was LeBron speaking to just their comfort level and taking things from the previous games and, and adding them there, particularly with their passing reads. And so, like, what was your thoughts around that stuff, especially, but just your overall thoughts as well? So you had pointed this out, Darius, yesterday after Pete and I did the original pod after the first one, and we were talking about Austin and kind of like in a worried way, but also in an overreaction way. And so to see him, because Darwin had talked about how valued he was uh, coming into camp and the, the tape that they watched on him last year, and then just the lineup that he was with right in the first in the, in the first game didn't seem like it kind of maximized some of the things that he does. And then you know we talked about well you put him you put him with the good guys and especially LeBron, mm-hmm. but you know and then some other like with Beverly in that group and it just. Like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is why Austin Reeves was second on the team in net rating last year. And he just was so good uh, on both ends of the court. And did you guys see LeBron's quotes about Austin after the game? So he went on for a while uh, about him. But in if you didn't get a chance to watch the game and get the stats, I mean, Austin had like seven assists in the first half and he only took three shots. He had three steals. He had two blocks. Right. He just had kind of a complete game um, doing all the Austin stuff rebounded and here's lebron's quote austin can fit into any group a guy who plays extremely hard plays well doesn't make mistakes always in the right place at the right time he plays extremely hard his iq is very high always good to be on the floor with him i love ar and then he actually continued to go on and there were i saw a couple replies to this but these are the kinds of things that he would say about caruso um after a little while like after caruso had gotten some minutes and again different players as we've mentioned but the some of those things are the things that they really have in common uh, and that was encouraging to me that that he's not just seen as kind of this guy potentially battling for one of those guard spots and we'll see what the rotation is and Pete, it could get back to that right once Schroeder gets back there could be games where he get does get squeezed but I I just like the identification of him because it does give them a different element with that group uh, and especially in the case of Beverly being alongside him and you know Russ's effort being pretty good for what it was last year to the point where Wenyan Gabriel could approximate some of the things like activity wise and length wise that well I'm not even gonna say that actually not not approximating AD but just a player <laughs> out there playing hard and letting LeBron and the tempo and the spacing and the system do the work uh that was encouraging I thought with respect to Austin uh 
I was thrilled at his level of aggression. There was a play at the 902 mark where he drew two free throws and he caught the ball at the slot, uh, in the left slot, and he attacked off of a ball screen. And so he's out there with LeBron, with Pat Bev, with Russell Westbrook. There's all of these reasons to be deferential and be like, oh, I like this is your offense to run. This is your play to be aggressive on. And he was so much more aggressive in this game. Came around that ball screen. I think he uh, put his guy in jail, you know, pulled up and drew a foul from behind and and knocked down the free throws. And so those types of reads and that type of aggression is what I'm looking for. And he's the kind of guy that can impact so many different elements of the game. I think it was Darwin or maybe it was LeBron. But no, I think it was Darwin that was uh, referenced him as a Swiss Army knife. And he is. And he is the kind of guy that can help you on the boards, help you as a passer. Thought he was great in passing lanes. He got a couple of steals and converted those in transition. He really got us out on on the run as well. And so in that first pod uh, that Mike was talking about, when I'm watching him with, you know, a bunch of other guys that they didn't score 10 points a game either. And he's kind of fading away into the corner. Those are the times where I'm like, Austin, you're so good. Like be aggressive. And, and seeing that even amongst other veterans and, you know, hall of fame caliber players and him being like, no, I have the advantage in this moment rather than looking to just move the ball, looking to attack. I thought that's exactly the, the way he needs to play. Well, he needs to read the game and understand where, his aggression is what's needed within the context of making his reads, right? And I feel like if there's a place where he needs to improve, that's where it is. It's not his recognition of what can happen. It's translating that recognition to action, right? And saying like, it's, this is the play that I need to go make here. The play that you mentioned, Pete, that's a great play, but the play that stood out to me was where he's in the right corner and um i can't remember if it was a pick and roll action or if it was sort of a handoff action but him and um jta sort of have an exchange in the right side yeah so he was in the right corner and jta was in the dunker spot so he racked middle which meant jta faded and replaced austin in that spot and so when austin got aggressive and said I'm going to create in going middle, right? And then he understood what his read was and reverse pivot, super fundamental play, right hand, one-handed pass back out to JTA and JTA hits hits that open three. I just thought Austin played a very complete game and he is a type, type of player similar to Caruso, but I think similar to a bunch of role players the Lakers have had over the course of many successful seasons is that, um, and this is a quality I love in role players, is the better the talent gets around you, the better that you play. Like there are some role role players where it's just like, hey, well, I'm going to do my thing and my thing is my thing. And it doesn't matter who else is is around me. My thing is going to look exactly the same. And those players can be useful in certain situations, too, particularly if they're if they have a certain baseline level of shot creation and scoring ability that that won't be tamped down by any other circumstances around them, right? Any, any variable they can go get, get a bucket. That's, that's useful. But Austin is, is a guy where it's just like, Oh, I get to play with LeBron and AD. Well, look how sharp all of these things look now 
in comparison to when I'm on the court with no offense, but Scottie Pippen Jr. and Cole Swider, where it's just like my, the asks of me go up and these other guys have their own sort of view of themselves where it's just like, hey, well, I'm going to go out there and shoot, which Scottie Pippen Jr. does a lot. He's like, hey, I'm looking for my shot a lot. And it's just like, well, you're not creating the same sort of advantage that LeBron and AD create or even Russell Westbrook creates. And Austin is able to create off of that sort of attention drawn. And he's just such a good player at optimizing his own role off of stars. And it, it's one of the reasons why I think we've advocated for him starting or being a key rotation player and getting a lot of minutes, particularly in LeBron and AD groups, because he could just be so effective as as an off ball worker and a second side shot creator. You know, the play, the place that I probably should have started if I were doing the order yeah. of things that <laughs> were actually relevant would, would be LeBron. Yeah. Right. And and how he looked contrasted between game one and game two and, you know, five or six in the first quarter. The one shot that he missed was that just seemed like almost in front of half court three that he went and then erased on the other end with a big block um, as the ball got out in transition. And he just he was more bouncy. This was the this was the LeBron athletically that Darvin Ham has been raving about uh, seeing like just I can't believe how this dude is still moving like this. And so that was, of course, encouraging to see. I think, though, after we, we set up for the first game, we expected that that would come. Um, it, you know, it might not, we didn't know which preseason game it would be, but okay. So we flashed that and then didn't need to play in the third quarter. Even it was kind of like, all right, yep. Like I, uh, my conditioning level, all, all of it is up is better to the point. And we'll see him again. Um, maybe this weekend in golden state. Uh, he, he did say, of course, that he's going to play more than last year's three preseason games. So um, that was a good place to start. And when he's clicking like that and Westbrook also starts out efficient. In fact, Westbrook made two threes in the first quarter, right, which is atypical, certainly for what we saw last year. And they were in that corner that we know he's been working on more so that all of that stuff was clicking to the point where they, they scored 35 points on 57 percent on a Suns team that what they did play their full starting rotation. Uh, and other than Cam Johnson went out after about four minutes and then we saw the lack of depth that Phoenix has. And I. This is an aside. We we were talking about this a little bit in the text thread, and I think we'll get into it more when we finally do our Western Conference preview. But I would be concerned if I were the Suns about their ultimate prospects. You know, not that they're not still a good team, not that they can't still execute, and Chris Paul can get them into great looks, and Booker's still an All Star, great player. But it just is a different vibe from that team uh, than what I've seen in person for the last couple of years. And you can tell, you can tell body language wise, you can tell for me, there's a little bit of lack of spirit, um, even though they're still crisp, but that was intriguing to me. And, you know, they're also the team that usually, Oh, AD's not playing. Yeah, we Yo. hate the Lakers. Let's go at that. Let's go out there next. And like, that was not, that, that was not there. That was not uh, there as it was the previous Mike, time. let me speak to this a bit. Cause I, I looked this up before the pod. It, so every time we play Phoenix, you'll hear me mention like they have kicked our ass every time we've played them the last couple of years. And so this is the last eight games we've played the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix has won all eight of them. This is playoff games, preseason games, and regular season games. And so this starts game five of the first round of the 2021 playoffs. This is the first game that AD missed. And so this is the largest lead for Phoenix in each of those eight games. 36, 29, 31, 31, 32, 22, 35, 26, and then last night, seven. Damn. Yes. 
So when I say they have kicked our ass, they have kicked our ass. Like before last night, the closest margin was or like the closest game they'd gotten a 22 point lead in that. And so last night was important to me. I wanted to win the game. And that's why. And we were texting last night like, ah, like I wish. And like, it's the right thing to do. Big picture. Right. But I don't know if it I don't know if it but you did make the good the key point, though. Like if if you just had Schroeder and Walker and Brown, then right there, your third unit is because Phoenix doesn't have rookies. So they're playing actual pros, and, and, and you know it's it's not the um, the ISO show for Scottie Pippen Jr. for eight minutes in the fourth, and like that that's it. Like that's the course, the whole difference. Same. It was and same you've been pointing game. out on the broadcast about how Darvin's talked a lot about he wants to get north south rather than east west, and once Pippen comes into the game, you're not getting north and south quite as often, and so once that goes, you know. But again, that was when you look at the bulk of that game, that was a game that we controlled for the most part. And they did play their guys. Cam Johnson had a thumb injury, so only played a couple of minutes. But I don't know. That looked different than a Lakers-Phoenix game has looked in a while. And I know it's just a small thing, but these are the small little steps to me that portend toward the rest of the season. So let's take a break. When we come back, we'll keep talking about the game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, Scotty Pippen Jr., <laughs> I was thinking when you were talking about a lot of East-West, it made me think of Manifest Destiny. That I'm going to start wow. calling him some Manifest Destiny because he is very much going East to West. <laughs> a lot of drive to the middle and then just kicking it out to uh, the side and a lot of handoff action for SPJ. Anyways, I'm thinking about last night. And can we talk a little bit more about Wenyan Gabriel for a second? Because this is a guy and... Mike, you brought it up on uh, the broadcast, and you've said it on the pod as well, but Wenyon and Austin, they both got 
some run last season and they were guys who didn't necessarily have a big role or weren't anticipating on having a big role, but the style of game that they play at the positions that they play is just ideal for a team that's built around stars. And I was interested in the idea of going to Wenyon as opposed to one of the actual centers when AD was a late scratch. I thought, oh, well, maybe they'll go to Bryant instead, right, as a a stretchy sort of big that brings the same idea. He's a decent matchup for Aiton in terms of strength and yada, yada, yada. But instead, they went to Wenyon. And Wenyon acquitted himself well defensively against Aiton. His athleticism and motor combined with his length. It's all sort of this nice little package that he brings to the floor as a viable big man. And he's over two games. Now, Thomas Bryant didn't play very much last night at at all, but Wenyon's looked better than both Thomas Bryant and Damian Jones over the course of the first two preseason games. And he's done it at both power forward and at center. And he's shown a versatility on the front line that I've sort of been screaming for that. Hey, the team sort of needs another forward and a guy who could slot between LeBron and AD. And Wenyon's not the wing version of that. Right. But he's an interesting dude who can do some things on the court and plays hard and gets after it. And I just sort of wanted to kick it back to you guys. And like, what are you guys thinking about Wenyon? Because he's a standout to me so far through this first stretch. Wenyon, just judging by what we've seen. And I always like to reference this. Darius likes to see it. And needs to actually the eyes need to see it. It's it's hard to make an argument that he shouldn't be in that rotation uh, off the bench. Uh, I I just think he's been and and now when you see this the next year, that's why it makes me go back and, and remind myself of last year in the you know the net rating and so when he, he only played in nineteen games, he only played sixteen minutes a game. He was a plus seven point three, and nobody else was even close. Austin was one point eight. He of course played earlier in the season, which is when the Lakers were particularly getting crushed in the plus minus aspect of things. And then Malik was like, a, was like a 0.3 mm-hmm. and you have to keep going down to find LeBron for probably the first time in his career at minus 2.5. So, you know, what part of that I think was simply because of the lack of what the Lakers were getting in terms of energy, right. And what those units were before when you got there and you know Stanley was not there yet so they had they put together a group of guys that were just playing harder and that was having a good impact and occasionally they were having a star alongside but now getting that getting that uh, said and done why is it that Wenyon is having success with this group and I think it goes back to the conversations we were having this offseason about the roster being small and not asking LeBron and AD to do too much but all of a sudden if you put another live big body uh, in there that's working, that's getting on the glass, that doesn't need the ball a lot on offense, that isn't, you know, demanding post-ups, that he might catch a lob, he might take the occasional three, but he's just out there just doing stuff mm-hmm. uh, that's supportive of other guys on the floor. And all of those things, uh, I think, have combined to let one, to let Wenyan acquit himself very well. And I, I should back off slightly from, oh yeah, the guaranteed spot this many minutes, but it's it's clearly trending um, that way. And once we see the rest of the group 
in. And once you get, once you get Schroeder in, once we get a look at Walker and we get a look at Brown, but there isn't, there isn't some other dude out there that's 6'10", 6'11", you know, mm-hmm. that's going to be, that you got to find minutes for on the roster. He said something during media day that caught my ear that I think we're seeing manifest in his play. And he commented that, oh, I was with Milwaukee's G League team for a little while. And so I know the terminology. I know the system a bit. And in watching him, that's one thing that's really stood out is he really knows his reads. And he really knows like there's a there's something called the Chicago action where the big man has the ball in one of the slots and he's going to dribble handoff with the guy in the corner a lot of times it's going to be a a double screen uh, because he's in like the opposite slot and so the other slot sets the pin down he dribbles toward that way too and it's kind of like a a stagger screen a double screen for that guy coming out of the corner and there are all sorts of reads that big man ball handler has to make ad is going to be in this spot a lot and so there's sometimes where you're going to fake the handoff and drive to the basket or sometimes it's a straight handoff and it's basically like a pick and roll there are some times where you don't actually hand it off to that guy and you pass the ball to the first screener, right? And just there's all these reads that if you know them, and this is one of the things that I was really excited about last night, is the beyond any individual player, the ball is kind of popping around and just had a life and energy to the offense that comes from guys knowing what comes next. And that's when you're really starting to get into great territory. And so seeing that in the second preseason game, a lot of the postseason or a lot of the postgame comments were like, yo, we made progress from the first game. We we built on what we did the first game and added to it. And so a guy like Wenyon having some of that systemic knowledge and being able to apply it, we talk about him so much as this motor guy and he is and this guy's that's going to give you great effort and that can be outside inside. But I think there's a level of intelligence to his game that has really impressed me as well, that has gotten the Lakers into the right spots on offense. And then defensively, I have questions about him against kind of the stronger guys, uh, although he did a nice job on Aiton, but he's going to lose some physical battles. He's got kind of got a tall, a high center of gravity. He's not really big and strong for a four, but if you're looking for a motor athletic four on a team that's looking to push pace, that play where he caught the lob, Darius, from LeBron in transition, he contested the shot at the rim on that play. So uh, it was Booker or whoever it was. He goes up, two hands up in the air, gets vertical, and he beats everyone else down floor to get the lob uh, off of that. And that's the type of stuff that you're looking for from from that type of player. I just think in general, man, like you can't have enough big athletic dudes who are going to run and jump around and sort of know what they're doing, right? And Gabriel's impressed me by making several plays on the ball and off the ball defensively and offensively. He just understands what he's doing now, whether that's that's scheme recognition or whether it's just like the asks aren't super complicated and it's sort of like, hey, go see ball, get ball. Sort sort of thing like like I don't want to make it seem too simple, but it is like there's not a lot of like this ain't the triangle office the team is running. You know what I mean? It's like a lot of the stuff Mm -hmm. that you talked about last season around like what the reads are and like the play that we described earlier with Austin and JTA. It's just sort of read and replace and 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 like okay well this guy went here now my read is to go here like oh the ball is. Baseline drive, drop to the corner, opposite side. Like it's a lot of like if you've been playing basketball, this is the stuff that you should be doing and the stuff that you should know. 
And it's one of the things that we've always talked about, about like why Mike likes big wings and why big men have dominated the history of the league. It's because the more, the bigger you are and the fewer things you take off of the table, the odds are the better you're going to be as a basketball player. Like, I don't know what else to say. And within this system, Wenyon's not taking a lot off of the table, but he's bringing a lot to it with his athleticism and his motor and just his understanding of what the asks are of him. And that's important. On And I wrote this at Silver Screen and Roll recently, but that's important important on a team with LeBron and AD. It's it's like you need you need this size and like you need the forwards. Like the other forward position is super important and it's weird to say that on a team where your two best players are forwards that you'd want another forward, but that's exactly what you need in order to be a winning and high level team because LeBron and AD need that partner. And I've been calling for two years and I'm not saying that Wenyon's that guy, but he's showing why that sort of player is important because he can do a lot of this stuff. Mike, what do you see from Kendrick Nunn last night? A name that we should have mentioned earlier, I guess he was very sharp. He was you know, just from the first shot, it, it happened in the in the first preseason preseason game as well. Like his first three pointer, just catch, no hesitation, fire, swish. You know, just a, a a pure shot. And I guess the thing that impressed me the most, despite I think he did end up hitting three threes, right? Yeah, he was three four. Oh no, four threes. Yeah, he was four for seven. He added one in the he added one in the second uh, late in the or maybe he's early in the fourth quarter. So. His finishing at the rim, and this is something, Pete, I remember you highlighting when you were watching his tape uh, before he came, like right after the Lakers mm-hmm. signed him the first time. And he's got a – he's quick and he's strong and he's got good angles. He's got good English. And so he can finish right. He can finish left. He likes, the, uh, he likes to duck under the rim. You know, he can float. I mean, he's got all of these little tools – which are the ways that he was able to score successfully um, by playing in Chicago, you know, growing up against good competition, you know, as a, as a smaller guard. And he's just crisp on that end. Defensively, I, this is where I need the rewatch because especially during when I'm doing sideline reporting during the games, um, the transition after offense, sometimes I'm not watching the full defensive possession. So I'll see the finish of the defensive possession. But when I look down, to get a note or something. And so that's why I like to go back and watch and, and I'll, I'll defer to you on the defense, but offensively um, he was super crisp and whether, whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench in the role that he did in this context, um, I liked both, but it, it just was something that stood out. And so thank you for bringing him up. D, we've talked a lot about the ideal third guy next to a LeBron and AD and the place that we usually land is on a skill guard and now I'm not saying that Kendrick Nunn is that third star type level of player but he is a skill guard and he's somebody who can score at all three levels Mike brought up the finishing we saw him hit a a mid-range pull-up last night off of a ball screen uh hit you know some threes get out on the run in transition as well so talk I think that I'm curious about your thoughts D on that on that like he provides something that we don't necessarily have from other guards. Pat Bev isn't this type of guard. Even Schroeder. Austin's a little bit different in that he's not a le- legit scorer scorer, right? He is, contributes in a bunch of different ways. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that idea of none as that skill guard. 
Now, I don't know if this was Phoenix's defensive scheme because they went over on Russ a few different times as well on pick and roll coverages, but defenses are going to go over on none pretty much all season because he is a quality pull-up shooting guard and he can shoot the three as well as shoot the mid-range shot. And so if a guy is only a mid-range threat as a pull-up shooter, you can still go under that because you can hope that you'll meet the guy where he's going to pull up because he's going to dribble back towards you a little bit. But if the guy can hit the pull-up three, then you have to start to go over more and more screens. Mm -hmm. And this is why I've thought a skill guard is so important. And none is going to bring that to the table. The, the shot that Mike referenced in the first game was a side pick and roll with AD, right? And none went baseline and then hit AD with the pocket pass. Both players rotated back to AD and AD rose up like he was going to shoot a jumper and just kicked it back to none. Nice little give and go action and none shot the three without hesitation. And but the pocket pass was only open because the guy his because none's man went over the top of the screen. And that's what Mm -hmm. creates the pocket pass angle. Right. And, And so none was super impressive last night. One of the things that is Funny in in its own way, because he doesn't look like he's lacking this at all. But in the lead up to camp, one of the things that what one of the sort of quotes that was out there was, well, we're just trying to get none as confidence back. Like we just want him to play with confidence. We want to like it, it was mentioned several times. And it sort of made me think, has none ever been a guy who didn't have confidence because it seems like sort of a weird thing to say. Like I, and I get that he hadn't played in, in a long time. So was it confidence with his body? Was it confidence with his shot? Like what, where did that confidence stem from? But Mike and Pete, I'll kick this to you too. It's like, he's not lacking for confidence at all. This dude looks like he knows what he's doing and looks like I am a professional scorer. Right. Like he knows how to get buckets and he has been letting it fly. And I like the fact that he's been a bit more patient and that he's not started possessions with the ball so much because it's let him work into actions as a second side or ball reversal player. Some too, where then he is coming off of those handoff actions and he is able to create in ways where he's not always look to as as like as the guy who is beginning a possession because I think that that's keeping things more in balance offensively for him and it's been a success so far so I'm glad that you highlighted him too there was a stretch in the second half where none just decided okay the other vets are sitting and he started to call his own number and it was the correct thing to do based on what was happening with Phoenix. There wasn't really anybody that was limiting where he was going. And and it's the confidence that Darius just alluded to that is so appealing, I think, in considering, again, last season and the contrast to what would have happened and what did happen when LeBron and AD were out. Because even with Russ, you know, he Russ has his own certain level of confidence, but, you know, teams are encouraging that kind of play from Russ because he doesn't have that versatility uh, on the perimeter to be able to just stop and dot a jumper. 
um, or to stop and pull up and, and create his own shot in the perimeter. So Russ can eventually always get to the rim for sure. But by that point, the rim is loaded up. And the key with none is that you can't just load up the rim because then he'll just simply step back and hit a 15 footer uh, a lot in the way that Devin Booker or Chris Paul was doing it. Because you, you could see that's how they scored a bunch of their points last night. A ton of it where where they just sort of caught in, in the Lakers oh, yeah. are playing within their system. But that's part of what the Suns, the Suns system is kind of created in part yep. to attack those drop type schemes. So it's like, oh, you want to keep sending your big all the way in? OK, you know, 15 footer from either or Paul. But none can do that, too. And I don't know if anybody yep. else on the Lakers can could really do that last season or this season. And it's a nice thing to have out there, a nice option. That uh, end of third quarter stretch that you're talking about is one of the, I think, stronger arguments for none off of the bench, because that group, I think, is especially good on the defensive end. And I think it's kind of you're seeing the outline of that, but can probably use uh, a guard who's okay on defense right he's got he's he's solid defensively I don't want to oversell what none is capable of but a guy that can get you buckets on one end that's okay defensively on the other end has a lot of value especially in that type of group where you've got other guys who are going to defend but maybe not shot create as much so really excited what I saw from him and just from the team in general I think we had like 17 assists in the first half just a lot of progress uh, got another game tonight going to play the the T-Wolves all the main guys it sounds like are going to be out Pat Bev is 50-50 Mike do you know if uh Lonnie is planning on playing in this game. So there's a good chance that he plays. I think they're waiting to see pregame warm up. You know, how's the ankle feel before declaring him in? But yeah, there's some hope that he plays, which would be which would be great to get a look at him. Yeah, it'd be very exciting. So, all right, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about it. Uh, But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Rebound is Lonnie. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's Let's the move. Go. Two, Let's go. one, Missing. it! Unbelievable. Right. Right. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.